Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. What if winning was more about we than it is me? What if winning in life is more about we than it is me? That's what I want to talk to you about today. Hey, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Ryan. I have the honor of serving here as lead pastor. And I want to welcome you to our last week in our Batter Up message series where we've been talking about what it looks like for us to hit for a spiritual cycle in our life. And at the beginning of this series, I kind of laid out this foundational idea that God has an offer on the table for you. That he has an offer on the table for you, and this offer comes in the form of four amazing promises that have been on God's heart for your life since the beginning of time. These four promises are found throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, but they first appear in Exodus chapter 6 when God delivers the people of Israel from 400 years of Egyptian slavery. Today, I want to kind of bring this series to a close, and I want us to look at what it looks like for us to win, not from our point of view, but from God's point of view. Today, we're going to be looking at the fourth of the four promises that God has been on his heart from the beginning of time for your life, and I've entitled today's message, What the Promise Is, that I will take you, that I will take you. Hey, let's uh, ask the Lord to, uh, to bless our time together today. Say this out loud with me. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's jump into Exodus chapter 6. This is where the four promises first Um, popped up in scripture. And I want to review those for those that might be here today for the first time. We see in Exodus chapter six, verses six through seven, that God says, therefore, say to the Israelites that I am the Lord and that I will, and this is the first promise, that I will bring you out. The first promise that God has for all of us is that he's going to bring us out, that it is this idea of rescuing people who are lost in their sin. For us, it is the salvation experience. It's the moment that we recognize that we are lost, that our sin has taken us to a bad place, and that without forgiveness of that sin, that we will live eternity separated from God. And so what is amazing about this first promise that we see in scripture is that before God even tries to fix us, before God even tries to change us, like some of you may, may be walking in today and you're thinking, well, you know, I'm walking in with all this baggage, like the second I'm going to walk through the door, lightning's going to strike and and God's going to strike me dead for walking into the church. But the reality is that is not how it happens, that the first promise before God wants to change us or fix us, that he first wants us to get us out of the life that we're living. And he wants to develop a relationship with us. Not religion, but relationship. And at Transformation Church, we call this knowing God. 
We call this knowing God, that it's not just knowing about God, but it is a, a knowledge of God that transforms our life. Then we see God continues to, to go into the second promise that I will free you from being slaves to them. And I love this one because it is this idea of God freeing us from the residue of our past. If you're anything like me, I've been, I'm 46 years old. I've been saved for, for 24 years. If you're anything like me, you've got some residue in your past. And God says that I wanna, I wanna free you from that. He says, you know, in, in, in the first promise that I wanna get you out of Egypt, but the second promise is, is I need to get the Egypt out of you. Like I need to get some of the old habits and the, the old responses and the way that you would respond to things that I've got to clean some of that stuff out in your life. And, and we call this promise finding freedom. And then we talked about last week, it goes on. He says that I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And I love this promise because I think so many times in our life, we relegate ourselves to some second class Christian because of all the things that we've done in our past or all the times that we told God, like we're gonna get it right this time and then we don't. And I love this part because God says that I wanna, I wanna redeem you. Like I wanna get you back to my original plan and purpose for your life. And at Transformation Church, we call this promise discovering our purpose. And then we see in verse seven, and this is really the, the promise that really transformed my own life and my own journey. This is the promise that we're talking about today in verse seven. God says this, that I will take you. Now this word take is interesting because in the original language, it was used in the context of marriage. That it's this idea that God is wanting to go into covenant with you. Like it's not just, I'm going to take you somewhere on a journey, but it is this, this invitation to a relationship, a journey with God that is similar to the context of marriage. And where is he going to take us? Well, it says here, as my own people. In other words, he's going to place us in a spiritual family that he's gonna get us on the right team. And I love this last part, that I will be your God. In other words, that once I get you on the right team, that I, I, I'm gonna step into your life and I'm gonna empower your life for this very purpose, to do something that is bigger than yourself. To do something that is bigger than yourself. You've heard me say, if you've been around for any length of time, that, that I didn't grow up in church. I, I, wasn't, I didn't know the Bible stories. Even after I got saved as a, as a 20-year-old, I had to read the kid's Bible, the, the picture Bible to kind of understand because I have a learning disability and the doctor said I've got to read something seven times in order to comprehend what the average person does reading it once. Like my parents, they're a whole journey. Um, I'm naturally an introvert when I'm not drinking energy drinks. I mean, it's just, and, and this is my story. That not only, did, not only did I know God, not only did I go through a journey of finding freedom, not only did God redeem me for the purpose and the plan that he had for me, 
But I also stepped into this fourth promise that God wants to do something in our life bigger than ourselves. And the reason why I can stand before you today and I can do something that isn't naturally in necessarily my gifting or necessarily my personality is because I've surrendered myself to whatever God has for me to do. And that's what this fourth promise is all about. I don't know if you've noticed in the journey that, that knowing God and finding freedom and discovering purpose, that those promises are all about us. But then you step into the fourth promise of making a difference. And all of a sudden it becomes about we. That it moves from me and it becomes we. And then we see in this verse that when we embrace these four promises in our life, God says, then and only then will you know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. In other words, only then are you gonna really understand what following Christ and being a Christian is all about. Church, in the fourth promise, God is saying to you and he's saying to me that I have something for you that is bigger than you. And the reality is, is that's a little scary, right? It's a little scary to recognize that God has something bigger than what our talent can accomplish on our own. But I don't know if you've discovered this in your journey, but there is no courage without fear. And that God has called us to be courageous Christians, not just to sit back in our little bubble and to do the things that we think that we can pull off on our own power. You see throughout scripture, that where God moved the most wasn't where people could do the most, but it was where people were living a surrendered life saying, here I am, use me. And God drops down in the middle of that situation and moment and he anoints it and he pours out his spirit upon it. And God begins to do things that nobody believes is possible. God, that's what he wants for you. And that's what he wants for me. And that's what he wants for our church, that we would be a people that wouldn't stop at the third promise, but a people that would move from we, from me to we, a people that would live their lives to make a difference in the lives of others. That despite the fear, despite being scared, is what they said back in the, in the Tennessee days when I, you were scared, like despite being any of that, that we become a people courageous enough to stand up and to allow ourselves to take steps out of our comfort zone into a promise that is way bigger than us. Friend, I don't know if you've noticed this over the last five weeks, but all of these messages and all of these promises lead to this one, that this making a difference, being a part of something that's bigger than yourself is God's destiny for your life. And honestly, it's why our church exists. 
Why are we called Transformation Church? Not so that we can sit in our comfort zone and just sit back and enjoy life. It's so that we will be a people surrendered to God, allowing him to transform our lives in such a way that not only are we transformed, but everybody around us becomes transformed. I know you may be thinking like, I, Ryan, I get it. Like that's gotta be like, like your opinion of making a difference and all that stuff, like you're a pastor, that's what you're supposed to be saying. But listen, I don't know if you've ever heard of a guy named Abraham Maslow. He's not a Christian, but was one of the most influential psychologists of the 20th century. And back in 1943, he discovered what winning in life really was. And he boiled it down to fulfilling five essential needs. If you've taken any kind of psychology class in school, you've probably heard of this, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And as as I go through these, I want you to pay attention to this. Like think about how much time, think about how much energy, think about how much money you have spent in pursuit of fulfilling these needs in your life. Here's what Maslow discovered is that the very bottom, the very foundation of us kind of winning in life and being fulfilled in life is is the physical needs in our life. Like we all have them, right? We've got the, the need to be able to breathe air. We've got the need to be able to drink water or to eat food or to, to have shelter, or to be able to get a good sleep at night, right? We all have these physical needs. And then Maslow discovered that the next need that is on top of that is safety needs. That all of us have this need in our life to feel safe, to feel secure. It's the reason why at night you go around and you lock the doors of of your house. It's the reason why you buy insurance. That it is this, this, this desire, this need to have physical, emotional, and financial security in our life. Then he discovered the third one is love needs. That we all have a need to, to, to be a part of a family, a family that's gonna love us and accept us and and be there for us, to to have the kind of friends in our life that we can lean on when we're going through difficult times, to, to be able to find the one, the one that we are supposed to spend the rest of our life with, that we all have these love needs. And then he discovered this, that then we have esteem needs. Those are the needs for us that, that to be complimented, to, to, to be recognized, that when we do a good job, somebody validates that and, 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 and recognizes that, or to be appreciated for some of the things that we do in life and do for others. And then the fifth one is cognitive needs. This is the need to understand things. This is the reason why if you've got kids, they keep going around the house saying, why, 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 right? It's the reason why some of us, um, uh, some of us older people, and I'm putting myself in that category, binge Netflix with all the documentaries and just the, the desire to accumulate knowledge and to understand things. And And over a period of time, what happened is that other psychologists began to kind of discover that there were some additional needs that as people would would live out these five needs, that there were still some other needs that 
that we have in our life. And, and they then added the sixth one, which is aesthetic needs. This is the, the need for things to be beautiful. It's the reason why we love to go to the beach. It's the reason why we love to, to sit on the edge of, of a mountain and just gaze across um, the leaves during fall time. It's the reason why um, we decorate our house for fall or for, for Christmas. We have these aesthetic needs. And then the next one is self-actualization needs. I can't believe I said it and got it out. That's a tongue twister right there. Self-actualization needs is the need to reach our potential. To be the best, to be on the winning team, right? Go Knowles. Go FAMU. Like we're all winners. Even though the Gators won, they're not winners. They're still losers, but uh, <laughs> I love you guys. I'm just... I'm kind of teasing. Oh, I'm going to stop right here. This is not in my notes, but I have a wager for Pastor Mike, and he has not taken me up on this wager yet. Um, so I told him that, um, that if uh, the Gators won against Florida State, um, that I would preach in a Gator jersey, and that if Florida State beat the Gators, that he would have to lead worship in a Seminoles jersey. So say, don't you think... See, <laughs> he's like, get moving, get moving. <laughs> so here's what's interesting about Maslow's hierarchy of needs is that, that they all thought that that was the pinnacle of life, of reaching your potential until they discovered that there was still something that was missing in people's lives. And here's what they discovered is that there was an eighth need. And this eighth need is called transcendence needs. The dictionary defines this word as living a life beyond yourself. It's the need not just to help you reach your potential, but it's the need that God has deposited inside of every single one of us to help other people reach their potential. And maybe that's what Jesus meant in John 10, 10, when he said that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that I have come so that you might have life, but have it more abundantly. Like the kind of life that's not just about you reaching your potential, but it's the kind of life that wants to make a difference that helps other people reach their potential. And so how do, we, how do we experience that promise in our life? How do, how do we, at the end of the day, how do we win in life? I wanna give you three things today. The first one is this, is we've gotta join God's team. Like if we're gonna, if we're gonna live out the fourth promise, if we're gonna make a difference in our life, if we're gonna be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves, then we have to join God's team. Listen, if God has called you to Transformation Church, then he's called you here for a reason. And that reason is for way more than just sitting in the stands watching the game. Now, there are some seasons that we go through tragedy and difficulty and we need to sit and we need to receive 
the encouragement of God's word and receive the encouragement of one another. But, but from God's perspective, that was always intended to be something short-lived, something that gets us through the season back on our feet again to be able to make a difference and an impact in the lives of other people. And the Apostle Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I don't have time to read the whole chapter, but I would encourage you to do that this week because it's got a lot of great stuff in there related to this idea. But, but Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. He says, the human body has many parts, right? Like hands, fingers, arms, eyes, ears, mouth, feet, legs. Like the body has many parts, but he says, the many parts make up one whole body. And then he says something kind of interesting. He says, so it is with the body of Christ. So it is with the body of Christ. And if you keep reading through chapter 12, you'll see that the Paul is trying to help the Corinthian churchgoers to understand that that church can't be what God wants it to be unless the people are where God wants them to be. I don't know what your childhood was like, but I had a toy that I played with that um, I, I used to love. Anybody remember Mr. Potato Head? I learned yesterday that now that men can have babies... Um, that Mr. Potato Head has become gender neutral. Did you know that? So it's Potato Head now. Um, interesting. Uh, I, won't, I won't go any further with that. But, um, and I think it's also interesting that they want you to store all of his body parts in his rear end. I think that's interesting too. But I think what Paul's getting at here is that Mr. Potato Head represents the body of Christ that represents the church and all of these parts, feet and eyes and a mouth and a tongue and uh, ears and arm, all of these things represent us, that we are part of the body. And what's interesting about the body of Christ, the church, is that anytime that you have stuff like out of place, it just starts kind of looking weird, Right? Like you got, you got a, 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 an ear where the mouth is and you got the nose, like, I don't know where the nose should go down here with the mouth and you got feet like on the side of its body, like, you know, and I think that sometimes, I think sometimes when we look at church, we think about this is that the church doesn't quite look like what it should look like because we've got all these um, empty spots, Right. We got all these empty spots and so what ends up happening is we end up trying to, to get body parts to fill spots that, where it doesn't really belong, where it's not supposed to be. And so then what the church looks like is it looks like a really bad representation of what Jesus designed it to be. And when you look at scripture, verse 27, Paul says that, that all of us together our Christ body, that each of us has a part to play. And I think what it looks like for us to make a difference in our life and to receive 
the fourth promise and to join the team is that we recognize that, you know, I may not be able to see like everybody else sees, but, but God's enabled me to hear. Or God's enabled me to, to have an arm to be able to reach out to, you know, the lost, and the broken. Like I may not, I may not for me, like uh, I may not feel all that comfortable like talking to complete strangers about Jesus, but, but somebody God has deposited that anointing inside of. And if we would just live our lives the way that God has designed us and, and all of us in the body of Christ would say, you know what, I'm gonna live a surrendered life and I'm gonna quit watching from the stands and I'm gonna get onto God's team and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take what God has blessed me with, my, my time, my talent, and my treasure. And I'm not gonna live for me, I'm gonna live for we. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna step up to the plate and I'm gonna say, you know, I'm, I'm gonna use the gift that God has given me for something bigger than myself. Then, then all of a sudden the body of Christ starts resembling what God designed it to look like. And friend, that's what the fourth promise is all about. And I'll tell you this, like God is up to some pretty cool things here. And God is wanting to do some even more amazing things here. We're already beginning to have conversations about what it looks like to add another service and what it looks like to, to begin to kind of reach out into our community we're already beginning to have conversations about that. But at the end of the day, if this is what transformation looks like, then all those conversations will be wasted because we will never look like God has designed us to look. And I think the challenge that all of us have today is to say, what am I doing with my gift? What am I doing with my time? What am I doing as part of the whole of the body of Christ so that God could use this place to make an impact and a difference in the lives of other people. So we've got to join God's team. The second thing, if we're going to win in life and we're going to receive this fourth promise, is we got to be willing to get in the game. So it's not just joining the team, but we've got to be willing to get in the game. Acts chapter 20, verse 24 Look at this. It says, but my life is worth nothing. That's a pretty powerful statement if you think about it. Like all the money I have, all the, all the, the toys that I have, the boats and the motorcycles and all that stuff and, and all the success that I have in life and, and in the world that Paul is like, my life, like all of that is worth nothing to me unless I what? unless I use it. And what I think is interesting about this, this word use is that it doesn't mean that we don't have these things in our life. It just means that we use those things, we leverage them for the kingdom of God. And he says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. And what is, what is the work? the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Can you see this thread of it, of the fourth promise moving from me to we? It's not about what I can accumulate in my life, but it's about what we can accumulate for the kingdom of God to make a difference in the lives of others. 
You know, for years, Andrea and I have had, had this, this dream. And we've shared like some of the dream as it relates to the next generation. We've got a, a, a kind of a motto um, that we live by here that we wanna, we wanna reach before rescue, right? We wanna reach kids and teens before we have to rescue them. And so what does that look like? It, it looks like we invest money and time and resources into providing um, um, a kid's pastor, a, a youth pastor, the resources they need to be able to reach teenagers and kids right now before they get addicted to drugs, before they start wandering out physically and doing things that are gonna take them down a dark road. And many of us have a testimony of that as I do. And our heart is we wanna reach them before we have to rescue them. But the flip side of that dream is what about the ones that were too late to rescue? What about the ones that have already gone down that path? What about the ones whose lives have, have become hopeless, who no longer feel like they can dream in their life? They feel like their lives are just completely shattered. You know, there was a dream inside of our heart to not just reach the next generation, but to also to be able to reach those who, who, who oftentimes seem unreachable, to reach those who no longer kind of have hope in life. But the idea of this, the complexity behind it and the cost behind it just seemed so overwhelming and out of reach until Andrea and I were invited to a dinner on September the 9th. And this morning, I want to take just a moment and I want to share a little bit about that dinner. Jose and Dr. Hans, would you mind coming up? Would you give it up for these guys? I told them I was going to announce them like the price is right. And they had to come like, like screaming down the aisles, you know, for it. But um, uh, so Jose, we went to dinner on September 9th. That was something you invited Andrea and I to with you and Ingrid. Um, I know you and Dr. Hans had had some conversations before that. Share a little bit about what God has been stirring in, in y'all's heart. God bless y'all. So I have to share a little bit of the background story in order to make sense. All right. When I graduated high school, um, you know, I, have, I had no idea what God wanted for me. So I started, you know, going to church and trying to get closer to him and, and I have no, no vision. I like what? What are? What is? What is that you want in me, Lord? So I decided to join a small group. It used to be like a medical outreach then, for the church, and I started just um, volunteering. And I was able to get with the medical team, and they they allowed me to help them out. And I, I met my mentor. He was a doctor, and he's like, "Hey, do you like medicine?" I was like, oh, "Kind of interested." <laughs> so he started teaching me and taking me every month to these things. And then the Lord spoke to me. He's like, this is what I want for you. This is, what, this, is, this is why the vision that I have for you, this is your purpose. I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, I want you to go to med school. I want you to become a medical provider. And I want you to do it for me. Hmm. Like something like this, this is, this is I, I want a vision for you. This is what, you, what I want you to do. I'm like, that sounds cool. Okay, do it, make, make it happen, you know? <laughs> so he allowed all the doors. I went to, you know, Got my degrees, I went to med school, like became a PA. Um, and then, like a lot of us do, you know, I forgot all about that 
vision and the promise God had given me because I got so caught up in, you know, in life. And a couple of months ago, he, I, woke, I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning and I couldn't sleep. And it was just turning, turning. And that happened to me before. And I knew what it was. I was like, what's up, Lord? <laughs> <laughs> and then he just brought everything back. Do you remember your purpose? Do you remember why do you even became who you are? Get your butt up. Start writing things down. And he gave me everything. He gave me a plan. And this is what I want you to do. And I'm like, you're right. And then I'm like, how am I going to do this? <laughs> so the first thing first, you know, I knew I had to speak to two people. I had to speak to Pastor Ryan. And I had to speak to Dr. Hans. And I got with Dr. Hans. And... Um, this vision that the Lord put in, in my heart many, many, many years ago was to create an outreach center where we can provide free medical health, where we can provide free food, where we can provide nourishment to, and, and clothing, and we can provide you know, a transformation for those who are lost out there, bring them in, just shower, clothe them, and then give them the word of God, give them hope. But you know, through medicine, starting through there, because that's what the gift he's given me, that's my, what he has blessed me with, and he wanted me to use it for his glory. So I'm like, what am I gonna do with this? So I had to go and reach out to them. And I, talk, I started talking to Dr. Hans, and, and, when, and I was so nervous, I don't know how this is gonna go, because I need somebody to, to help me with this, you know? Like, and then Dr. Hans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when he communicated to me, I said, okay, yeah, that has been swearing in my heart as well, but I always am interested in doing outreach outside of the U.S., as we've done uh, multiple mission, medical mission as well. So, and I said to him, of course, let's communicate the uh, vision to Pastor Ryan and see where, where, what, what he has in his heart as well, and, uh, which we did, and uh, he will tell the rest of it. Uh, how it was a welcoming uh, vision for the, for, the, for the church as well. So on my part, I say, cool, that's very good. We'll look into all the logistics and uh, as to do that here, and as well as to being a mission field right in here mm -hmm. to reach those around us here. So I, at this point, I don't have to always go outside, but stay here as well. Um, so it was extremely interesting, as he mentioned that to me, I was really myself into a, a, a position where, okay, I have to kind of change certain things for here as well. And I really think that's a God thing, that uh, his heart being stirred at the same time that mine was. And I'll pass the microphone to you. <laughs> <laughs> and so what was really cool about this dinner is Andrew and I are there and... Jose's kind of sharing him and Ingrid are sharing like all that God's been stirring. I mean, he's got a notebook with all these like pages and stuff that, that God's been just downloading to him. And uh, I know that he had to in that moment be super nervous because he has no idea like, is this going to land on kind of deaf ears? Like, oh no, we can't do that. Or is it going to land on ears of, of excitement? Like there's a lot of direction that that could go. And under the table, Andrew and I are sitting there and we're just like, we're like squeezing our hands, we're, we're kneeing each other on the side because here's what was so fascinating about that is that God had put a dream in our heart years and years ago 
um, to do something exactly like this, but we didn't have the skill set, right? We didn't have the knowledge, and we didn't have the money. And we had no idea that God was working behind the scenes, stirring in their heart, who has the skill set, who has the knowledge, and I'm believing somebody out there has got the money, right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and so, so today our big reveal, our announcement is, is that in 2023, we're going to be uh, launching what we're calling the TC Dream Center. Listen, y'all, this is amazing. So I just want to tell you, you know, the, the Lord, he works in mysterious ways. You just never know what is it that he has for you. You know, it all started with me joining a small group that led to this um, activity, and then that's what God planted my vision, you know. And this is an opportunity for the church. This is our opportunity to serve our community within the five-mile radius. I mean, just look out there. They need, you know, we have a lot of underserved people. God is calling us to be there for them, not only to provide the spiritual life, but the physical and everything else, right? And really quick, we're going to be out there. We're going we're gonna to need a huge team because we're going to need a medical team. We're going to need barbers and hairstylists. We're going to need people who can cook and who can serve. We're going to need people who have the love of God talking to people so they can minister to them because we, it's not about free medicine. It's not all about free food and clothing. It's not, it's, it, the main goal is to give them their hope of yeah. life. To introduce them to Jesus. Give them the, the, the word of salvation. That, that is the main reason we're doing this, guys. That's why the Lord wants it. This is just a vehicle for his glory. And you can all be part of it. You can meet us outside and we'll let you know how. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So the Dream Center, TC Dream Center, is going to start out next year as a quarterly event. But our heart, our goal is that it becomes an everyday location. And I had people when we were redoing the kids um, uh, area and we brought the youth up and they were like, well, what are we gonna do with that old youth room? What are we gonna do with back there? And uh, those that asked me probably remember me saying that our heart, our desire at some point down the road is to open a dream center out of that location to be able to minister um, to the underprivileged, to minister to people in need. And so we are just, we're so excited um, about what God is doing, how he's gonna work through them. And my guess is there's probably some of you that God's already starting to kind of stir to draw you to that. And I would, I would really encourage you to stop by uh, the table in the foyer um, today after the service. And, and both of them are gonna be out there and they can answer, um, answer some questions. But the last thing that I wanna share with you um, today is the third thing that, that helps us kind of win in life. And it's this, is we got to put we over me. That we got to put we over me. Church, I know this with everything inside of me, that God has big things for you and he's got big things for our church. But it's not God who determines whether we see them or not, it's us. It's whether we're willing to join God's team, whether we're willing to get in the game, whether we're willing to put we over me. I know this, that together, that we can make a difference and we can bring God's transformational power to Gadsden County and Jefferson County and Leon County and Wakulla County and wherever else God 
may lead us to go. But at the end of the day, it only happens if you and I will be receivers of the fourth promise to live our lives for something bigger than ourselves so that God can not only transform our life, but transform the lives of those around us. Guys, I wanna, I wanna end real quick with a few practical ways. You may think, Ryan, okay, that's, that's great, but how do I get started? Like, where do I go from here? I wanna give you three kind of low-hanging fruit, three ways that you can walk out this door and begin the, the process, the journey of making a difference in the lives of others. The first one is this, is that in the foyer today, we've got a bunch of tables that are set up. It's a Dream Team Expo. And maybe you're here today and maybe, maybe you've not got connected to a team. Maybe, maybe God is calling you today to take whatever body part that you are in the body of Christ and, and to, to begin to add it to what he's wanting to do in this place. And, and at that Dream Team Expo, you can, there's gonna be hosts out there and, and um, you can ask questions and they'll, they'll answer them for you. And, and our challenge is this, is to, to pick two teams. And maybe for some of you, like you're feeling a transition, you're feeling like God's leading you from one team to another. Like this is the time for you to be obedient to what God's laying on your heart and to get in the game. The second thing is, is we got a really exciting event coming out and it's because of the generosity of somebody in our church that we've been able to purchase a 30 foot projector, inflatable projector screen and a projector. And we're gonna, we're gonna do the first ever kids movie night on the lawn. It's gonna be amazing, under the stars. And we're gonna be back here in the back and this is um, on November the 18th and we're gonna watch the movie Sing. And uh, we're gonna have free food and, and candy and, and we're gonna have like, like hosts that are kind of walking around, meeting people, introducing themselves. We're gonna have a ministry tent. And, um, and this is a community event. And we've got an outreach next Sunday right after church where we'll feed you and then for about an hour, we're gonna go out with door hangers in the kind of one mile radius of our church. And, and we're not gonna be knocking on doors, but we're gonna be hanging door hangers on doors or mailboxes and, and inviting our community to uh, this amazing event that's gonna be outdoors. And so you can sign up for either one of those out in the lobby today. And then the last one, and I'm really excited about this one too, is that we're gonna be kicking off a new series in two weeks called At The Movies, At The Movies. It's a series like our church has never done before. It is probably the biggest outreach series we will ever do. And it's a series where movies and the gospel meet. It's a series where we take clips of movies and, 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 and we show a clip of a movie and then I teach a little bit, a clip of a movie and teach a little bit. Like we can't live stream it because it'll break all the copyright stuff. So you gotta be here to be able to see it. But here's the thing is that it is a series that if there's ever been somebody that is, that's in your circle that doesn't know Christ or doesn't go to church, this is the series that you need to invite them to. And we're gonna talk about three 
important topics in all of our lives, but we're going to use the modern day parable of movies to communicate it. It's going to be amazing time. Like we're going to serve popcorn and the youth group's going to have a table out there with candy, um, raising money for youth camp. Like it's going to be, we'll have paparazzi in this place, like taking pictures, red carpet. Like it's going to be amazing. But listen, it's a series that we got to put we over me, right? It's not a series where we're watching movies in church. Like we over me, whatever it takes, anything short of sin to reach lost people. And that's what this series is all about. Would you stand with me today? I want to close this out in prayer and then Kim's going to come out and just give you some final instructions. Father, we thank you for your hand upon our life. And we thank you, Lord, that God, you have a plan and a purpose. And Father, from the beginning of time, before we even breathed our first breath, that Lord, you, you had four promises for our life, to know you, to find freedom, to discover our purpose and to make a difference. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would be a church that would embody all four promises, that we would be a place, Lord, that allows our lives to be transformed, not just for ourselves, but so that you would use us to bring transformation in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.